The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall you put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. These are perhaps some of the most familiar words to those of us who have grown up in one of our congregations that makes use of a historic liturgy, because it closes out, it's the last word that the pastor is given to speak over the congregation. And it's given right here in, in Numbers for that very reason. And it's placed right at the end in order for some very specific reasons for the sake of, of not only closing what we've done, but opening what you are about to do. But let's take a look at the text of it as it stands and see what blessing is already here. <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. Throughout these phrases, it's God who's doing the work. And he binds his work together with his name. This is not an insignificant issue. The name of the Lord is, at this point, and also even in the New Testament, it, it continues on in the New Testament too, it's a place where there's a, a coming together of God and you, God and his people. His name creates a place where we can come into his presence and not be afraid that our sin is going to get him angry with us. And I'll tell you exactly what I mean. In Deuteronomy, just a few chapters later after this <clears throat> word, God tells Moses to tell the people of Israel that when they come into the land that he is promising them, He's going to pick a place. Now, he doesn't tell them what place that is yet in Deuteronomy 12. But he's going to pick a place, and he's going to put his name on that place. And when he puts his name on that place, that's where they're going to go to offer their sacrifices and offer their prayers. And they're going to have confidence that they are dealing with him, right? All the other gods around them, from the Canaanites and the Egyptians and the Hittites and everybody else who's there, they've got their own stuff going. High places here on this mountain over there, this mountain over there. God's going to give them a place. <clears throat> they're going to know exactly where it is, and they're going to know that they are dealing with him. And that he is dealing with them. So that when it comes to bringing the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, they will know that they are addressing the true God who created them and who brought them out of Egypt and who has given them this good land. And they will know that he is forgiving their sins. <clears throat> you see, it removes all doubt as to what's going on and who's doing what. And what can I expect from this God who made everything and who has 
all things in his hand, and how will he deal with me? And how can I know that I can address God? Do I just go to the, the random tree in the forest and carve out a place and say, that's God? No. In fact, that's not what you do. That's the exact opposite of what you do. <laughs> you go to the place that God has told you where he is, and then you are dealing with him. Otherwise, <laughs> there's doubt. We do it other than the way God says, and then we don't even know what we're doing. That's the challenge, see. So when he says, I'm going to put my name in a place, then you're going to know that you're dealing with me. That's the safe place. This fascinating move that he makes here with this blessing is that as the people of Israel gather for worship, the high priest Aaron is given the word to take that name and put it on the people. Now what has God done? Now, he doesn't just have himself in that one spot, but because the people of God have gathered at that place, they have worshipped, they have received his forgiveness and blessings, they have offered their thanksgivings and praise, they have done all the things that we do here during this time of worship, and now they are little places of God. Places where the world can get to know him. Get to know him by name. You will be God's calling card to the world because he's going to write his name on you. Instead of going to Quick Mart and getting a bunch of cards and dropping them from some airplane, the Lord has dedicated himself to putting his story his life story into your brain and into your heart so that is actually useful in your mouth. And then he puts his name on you and he says to the whole world, if you ever want to get to know who I am, talk to this guy. Talk to this girl. Talk to this young man. Talk to this girl. They know. They've got my story in their mind and in their heart, and they've got my name emblazoned right on them. They are my calling card to you. Christopher Hitchens, a famous atheist who loved to debate Christians and try to poke holes and make fun of them all the time and was a regular appearance on late night television. Once was asked, so if you find out when you die that God is there, what will you say to him? And his response was, why did you make it so hard to get to know me? To which I pull up my hair, of course. <laughs> because I, I take that seriously, right? Now, granted, there's all kinds of problems with that. But I do take that seriously, the fact that, look, 
either you're just missing it or we're not doing it. One or the other. And there's probably some little bit of both, right? Everybody gets busy doing what they're doing. And if you look back at your last week and as we kind of look forward to New Year's resolutions and things like that happening in the next months and so, you can take a look even back at the past, past year and say, who am I mentoring in the faith? But there's a lot of things to do in life. Again, paying bills and I had to go and pay my personal property tax this week and that took some time and there was somebody there at the back of the counter and I had a little conversation with them, but we didn't talk about Jesus. Could we have? Sure, we could have, but we didn't. Who am I taking out to lunch and talking about Jesus with? Who am I coming alongside in general? I mean, you folks, sure, but there's a lot of folks out there too. We have a lot of conversations, opportunities, and things like that. Relationships to build. Whether in the workplace or at home in the neighborhood, whatever it might be. The word of the Lord and the name of the Lord goes on to you for the sake of blessing you. Now there's more. This word bless, it's a big word in the Bible. And it's not just a big word because it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot because it starts in the very beginning when God blesses Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he brings his promises and he provides them a mission in this world to multiply and to provide for the, the goodness of God throughout the world, to be his king and queen over all things, so that the goodness of the garden is everywhere. And he's blessing them. And this blessing is their entire relationship of God and humanity and heaven and earth and the animals and creation and everything working just the way God intended it to work. By his name, the Lord reconstitutes the goodness and the perfection of the beginning in anticipation of the last page of the book when we get back to the tree of life one more time. Now, I'm going to try to say that one more time, but I want you to get the drift of this. When the Lord blesses you, he takes you out of the goop of brokenness of sin and the darkness that we are so embedded in and everything that we think of when it comes to spiritual darkness and worldliness and everything that would keep us away from God, and he breaks through that. He reorients, realigns, and calls things good again. Not because they are in and of themselves, but because of his love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus rose from the dead in 30, 31, 32, 33 AD, whenever it was. God is able to tell the people of Israel back in 14-whatever B.C. that they are good, that they are blessed, that they are back in Eden even though they aren't. As far as he's concerned, right? if he were to judge them right at that moment, if he were to judge them at all, he was recognizing that his name was on them. They belong to him, he belongs to them. 
I will be your God, you will be my people. And that carries through. It doesn't matter where you are on the screen because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ gets delivered on both sides. And it gets delivered how? By the word of God. By the word. When he says it, it is. That's how it works with God. Let there be light and there's light. I forgive you your sins. They are forgiven. I raise you from the dead. Lazarus come out. Bingo. There he is. I bless you. You're back in Eden. Even though here you are in St. Robert. And it doesn't quite look like the Garden of Eden. I get that. But as far as God's concerned, wherever you are, Jesus is. And wherever Jesus is, it is good. In fact, it is very good. In fact, it is perfect. See, this is what we are to believe. This is what we're to hold on to and to cling to when we hear the Lord bless us with his name. <clears throat> the Lord keep you, right? Hold you fast and never let you go, right? So this is the persistence of that blessing forever, forever. And God binds his own character to this. Right? It's not about your faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. That's what carries the whole weight of this. I'm doing this to you. I'm giving this to you. I'm the gift giver. Because <laughs> I say it, it is so. Just listen. Just listen. Just soak it in. Just be a great big sponge so that when somebody in the world comes to try to ring you out, all they get is Jesus. <laughs> Boy, you're going to get all that Jesus when he tried to stick me under your sticker. Oh, here it all comes. Boy, you try to put me through the ringer. Guess what you're going to get? Baptismal water, baby. Oh. <laughs> Look out! You might find yourself becoming a Christian too. <laughs> and then guess what's going to happen to you? <laughs> the Lord bless you and hold and keep you. That none of this ever gets wiped off of your heart or mind. That it just stays and stays with you. That it forms a place where you know that you have a spiritual home, wherever you go, right? Wherever you go, not just here and not just at home, wherever you are, you are at home with the Lord because the Lord has promised that he is with you. You're carrying his name. You are a Christ-bearer Christian, right? A Christ-bearing person, a Christian, a Christian. Yeah. Someone who bears Christ with them in the world, wherever you go. <laughs> then the promise is the Lord make his face shine on you, right? Turn toward you like his, his blazing light of face on you, that you are face to face all the time. See, this is, this is a promise that is going to be fulfilled in the final day when we see the Lord face to face. But in his word, we see him. 
And there, there is this wonderful poetic move throughout the Old Testament that when the Lord's face is toward us, we are happy and our faces are bright and shiny and, and glowing with the reflected glow like the moon of the sun. But when the Lord's face is turned away, everything goes hot. Everything is terrible. Everything goes downhill. Everything is darkness. So turn your face toward me. It all points back to this blessing. That the impact of the word of the Lord would, would carry me, would hold me, would keep me, would make me a part of his perfect life. And that he would lift up his face on us and therefore give us peace. And that shalom, that peace, that reconstituted Eden closes off that blessing again. That we are not defined by conflict and not defined by sin and not even defined by the inner conflict of our own souls, but we are defined by the word of the Lord. And what he says is that in Christ, you are mine and you are very blessed. So how does the Lord put his name on you today? He does this. He does this, first of all, in your baptism, right? In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, washing you so that you are baptized child of God, that you are part of the household, one generation removed from Jesus Christ himself, a son and a daughter of God, the brother of Jesus. In that name, you are part of that household, and you are part of what God is doing in the world. You are a holy temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a place out in the world where the Lord Jesus Christ is fully and completely present. Because the Lord stopped putting his spirit on buildings a long time ago when he started putting his name and his spirit on people since Pentecost. And you are an inheritor of those gifts. Just like Peter says. And so his name going with you marks you out as a safe place where the world can get to know its Lord. What a process. What a deal. What a gift. What a promise. To be reminded of that promise is essential every week. Because I'll tell you, it's one that's easy to forget. This entire hour, then, this entire hour is all about the name of the Lord. We begin there, we end there. Everything all the way through it is about celebrating the gifts that God gives in the name of the Lord. All the way through it is about Jesus. All the way through it is about Jesus making known the Father in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere, all the way through, it is about being immersed and washed again for the week in the, in the power of your baptism. Sunday's laundry day. It's also ending of the fast day so that we can eat and drink from him and carry him with us embedded in our flesh embedded in our hearts and minds and souls, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit would have his way with us, that we would be accurate representations, as much as Scripture is, 
of what the Lord is doing in the world. And that can be our prayer as well, because we know, we, we know, we fail at that. <clears throat> but to see, the Lord never gives up. He invites again this Sunday. Forget about last week. We're going to do it again. You and me, we're in this until the end. All authority is in heaven and earth is given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the very end of the earth. This is how he fulfills that promise. By putting his name on you and sending you out and not departing from you, not leaving you as orphans, but going with you. For he is our Emmanuel, and he has promised, and he doesn't. Amen. <laughs> the peace of the Lord be with you now and always. Just a note about next week. Next week is the last Sunday of the church year, next Sunday. We have a little quirkiness in the calendar this year because we have Thanksgiving this week. But next Sunday is still not the Christmas season. We have to wait another week until we get to December 3rd for the Christmas season to kick off with the Advent season. Just one of those things that happens this year. <clears throat> next year, the theme of preaching is going to be to take us through the church year. Which means next Sunday, we get to sing some of your favorite hymns from Advent all the way to the end of the church year as well. So, there's a, a good chance that we might get one or two of your favorites as well. I'm not having a lottery about it, but it should be fun, one way or the other. <laughs> In that opportunity to see how Jesus is revealed to us throughout the year, we'll also get a chance to close out the year and look forward to our new year starting on December 3rd with Advent 1.